Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? Thank you for your service. And uh, again, as you keep talking about the coronavirus, the cases go up, especially where you're located in Mississippi. Totally right about that, Neil. And, you know, it looks like we're seeing that all over the country. And also, and also, you know, uh, they're seeing that in um, uh, different parts of the world. So I think it's, you know, again, kind of acting like the flu. So, but anyway... Um, we're working hard to take care of people, uh, but I'm very excited about the guest that we have today. All right. I cannot wait to hear who he, who he is. Go ahead and introduce him, Chris. Well, no problem. Well, it gives me great pleasure to uh, welcome to the show an actor, a director, a producer. Uh, uh, we first kind of met him in, in, in George of the Jungle back in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm very excited to welcome to the show Actor and producer, uh, Mr. Christopher Shireman. Welcome to the show, Chris. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Absolutely, Chris. When you like look back at your uh, career, do you what what are your, what are your thoughts? Saying, did you really think that's what you were going to do? You know, I no, I don't think we ever look back and go, well, that went exactly as I planned it. Uh, but <laughs> but it always goes exactly as it needed to go in retrospect. You know, it all all makes sense in retrospect. Um, so I think the career trajectory just sort of led me to where I needed to be at the time. And you make peace with that and, and embrace it and do as much as you can where you're at. All right, Chris, we'll take you back. He wants to hear your story. So go ahead, Dr. Hall, for your first question. Oh, yeah, well, no problem. Well, Chris, you know... Um, Tell us a little bit about um, you know, how you got interested in music. Um, you, um, how early on did you start with music? And, and tell us a little bit about that. You know, my mom was a music teacher, and so my brother and I were, were started off pretty young and, and mostly against our will to play piano and practice every day. And throughout that time period, I... I fought against music because it was something that was forced upon me. And then about high school, I realized, oh, wow, I, I'm, I'm getting really popular because I have this ability and I can be in a rock band and, and you know, girls like musicians. <laughs> so uh, I started to pursue that and I went to college for it. And it's, it's been a huge outlet and, and source of uh, inspiration for me in my life ever since. So I haven't done... Um, I've done a little bit of professional composing, but most of the uh, compositions that I've done are just for myself. Did that help you in a lot of ways in everything you do? Being involved in music kind of it takes uh, helps you in other other types of jobs you do. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Um, especially acting. Yeah, when I approach a role, one of the key things that I look for when I'm I'm dealing with a new character is what is this guy's soundtrack what music is playing in his head because if you can figure out what he hears when nobody else hears anything 
you can figure out this guy's rhythm. You can figure out how he moves. You can figure out um, how how he's going to respond to the world in a, in a much more subtle way than using words to describe him. So uh, it, it's been a great tool as an actor uh, to use music. And, and my love for all music, I, I love all genre of music. So um, uh, that's been that's been really helpful for me uh, in creating characters. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. Wow, that's, that's incredible because, you know, and I think kind of everyone kind of agrees that music kind of, it tells you, you know, what it tells you a lot about a person's soul and how they're feeling. And there's, there's music for each type of, you know, shade of life. Right. And, um, and so that's very, very interesting. So tell us about, I mean, acting and stuff like that. How does that relate to acting? And so far as, is there always a particular story you're trying to tell as a, as a character? Yeah, you know, when when you get lucky enough to to be entrusted with a character, I always feel like I owe that character something. I, I need to tell his story as honestly as I can, and and not uh, not shaded with my own experience to, to the degree that I can do that. We all bring ourselves to everything we do, so that's that's impossible on a deeper level, but. Um, I, I try to be true to the character because I know that that what I do with him is quite possibly the only time he gets to live through me. So I feel a responsibility to that character, and um, uh, having the having the the music as as a background for for him really helps to uh, inform that character and inform me of, of what he needs and just to try to listen to the character as opposed to trying to force myself on him. Um, I hope that answered the question. I, it I it, I it, do, it does. It does. <laughs> for sure. It does, Chris, because <laughs> the fact is that you want to live it to the best of your ability. So when you're given a role, you want to understand what that role is and then try to live it as you, as you are that character, but you also are the creative control of that character you are going to make it come to life. Even though it was written, that's true. you have to envision that character. And that's all about branding. If you're not going to have a good character of a good show or have all good characters, the show's not going to be successful. So true. Right, right. And it's got to be something you have to find. No matter what the character is, good guy, bad guy, uh, you know, choices that you would make or choices that you maybe wouldn't make in your real life, doesn't matter. He has to be, he or she, has to be relatable for an audience and ultimately you know when we're enjoying entertainment to to some degree we project ourselves as the audience we project ourselves into those characters so when developing a character you have to make him or her accessible somehow so so whoever's watching it can see themselves somehow in in that character's shoes and become empathetic or take that emotional journey with the character which is what entertainment is we're 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 giving you we're giving you an emotional journey without the jeopardy involved in taking that journey the characters take the jeopardy alone but you get to take the ride with them so true so true wow wow (laughs) go ahead dr hall next question yes very incredible yeah and so you know, and that and that's kind of the thing I, I, I was kind of thinking about, especially during this time. You know, when it's it's such a stressful time. You know, with this this infection and 
and really just, you know, the isolation and, and, and people having to be home and, and that's stress. That's real kind of stress. And, and so I think that, or what do you think, Chris, so far as in, 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 in acting, um, is that a way that, you know, um, that we can actually, uh, relax people, make people feel, uh, you know, uh, less stress. Is, is it a way that, you know, you as an actor working to help people release their stress? Is that, do you see yourself doing that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's so great that we're talking about stress. I was just watching a show about stress last night. Basically, it all boils down to stress. All this, this pent up energy that, that doesn't get expressed and it turns into stress, which turns into God knows what cancer or, or disease, any kind of anything true. that we're, we're not able to let go of. Right. So, um, I think if you can find any outlet, whether it's, you know, it's acting for me or it's music for me, uh, folks who like to do pottery or dance or any way to express yourself um, and feel like you're you're putting your essence out into the world. I feel like society's sort of set up, through no fault of anyone, been set up for us to sublimate our true essence so we can serve a greater good. You go to a job and maybe you're the um, ticket taker at the at the opera um that might not be <laughs> that might not be the most fulfilling thing for you so you have to find those ways to 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 fulfill your essence to express your essence into the world or i feel like it's toxic to to never and to never have that fulfillment to never realize that potential exactly yeah uh, the and, and so when you're talking about that, that stress building up, it just really becomes something that you aren't able to be who you are. When you're thinking about things yeah. that are stressing you out, and we'll get later into your project because that project and working out definitely relieves stress. But, you know, watching <laughs> that stress program, I think everyone's stressed out with the coronavirus and the election and wants everything to disappear. And it, Chris, now I'm, I like Dr. Hall's stance now. He's not as nervous about this next wave as he was before, maybe because of the therapeutics, Dr. Hall. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think we've learned a whole lot more, you know, and 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 um, we're just improving on, on, on all sides. I mean, uh, the research side to do drugs and the therapies that we're using to help people during this time, you know, that, that from what the isolation occurs, the stress that we're talking about now, uh, it's all very, very neat and very incredible. So, I mean, definitely, definitely. All right. So I'm going to jump right quickly, Chris, to his big break. Now, how did, now your big break in acting was uh, the Jungle Book, right? Jungle Book 2, right? right. So how did that George happen? Of, how, George of the Jungle 2. George, yeah. George, George of the Jungle. But yeah, always get those mixed up. Sorry. George of the Jungle 2. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure people have said that. But uh, So basically, tell me... George of the Jungle too. how that opportunity came about? Well, you know, it, it was a, a huge <laughs> luck always plays, plays a big part. I think in, in, in getting those opportunities, you also have to be very prepared and, and ready to hit the ground running when they fall into your lap. But I can't, I can't dismiss the fact that it was, it was a million to one chance that Brendan Fraser didn't want to come back to do it. And I being a nobody in town, just happened to meet the right people at the right time that were able to put me in front of the people that 
that needed to see me. Um, so I was, I was very lucky. I, and Jordan Kerner, the producer of that project, uh, was kind of took me under his wing, sort of like a father figure. He knew I was, I was very new in, in this industry and didn't know what I was doing. And he really protected me and sort of shepherded me along uh, that process, not only, you know, for the success of his own project, but I felt like, uh, you know, he really, he really invested into me as an actor and a human being as well. So I, I was very lucky to be surrounded by great people during that period. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. Wow, that's incredible that, you know, kind of what, you know, uh, what Chris is saying so far is, you know, finding uh, in Hollywood mentors and, and, and role models that can, you know, uh, you know, help you get through. And so and I'm sure you've had to do a lot of that over the years, too, with, with younger actors. Chris, is that true? Yeah, I, I, it's one of my favorite things is, is to try and help people. And no matter who we are, where we are in life, there's always somebody that's behind you and you can throw a hand back and, and help them. And I, I know because I've been helped so much along the way and continue to, to need a helping hand, you know, to get to the next step. And I'm sure you probably had the same experience with your career. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a huge fulfillment for me when I have the opportunity to reach out and help somebody that maybe isn't where I've gone to or learn some of the lessons that I've gotten to learn already. Um, and, it, and it's sort of life affirming too, because it reminds me, Oh yeah, there was a point in time when I didn't know this either. And now I get to share it with somebody else and you, you get to sort of experience the wonder and joy of, of, you know, the gifts that you've got a second time because you get to pass them on to the next generation, you know, the next group that's interested in what you do. So what do you think of the young actors today that are coming up? Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talent out there and there's, there's, um, I think so many opportunities and so many new ways to tell stories. It's definitely changing at a quantum pace compared to when, when I first started in this industry, it was filmed for the last, you know, 70 years. And then suddenly changing from film to digital to new media. And then that new media didn't have to follow the same rules of, you know, TV shows and, and, um, uh, sensors and, and what you could, what was considered content, what wasn't considered content. I'm blown away now by how creative people can tell stories. And sometimes in, in a matter of, uh, of just a few minutes, um, which is, you know, which is a double-edged sword too, because I feel like the audience now there's, there is an audience for long form content, very long form content, because now instead of a movie, you might binge, a season of a TV show just to get a story arc. But then on the other extreme, you might need to get the whole story in in 60 seconds. So, um, so it's kind of the wild west all over again in entertainment. And, uh, and I feel like for any young person coming in right now, there's just nothing but opportunity to, to hone your craft and to, um, keep your mind open to all the different possibilities the new possibilities for um, telling stories. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. All. Next question. Yeah. Wow. This is interesting. You know, it just, you have to be so versatile, you know, just, uh, 
in the in the and really the the range of roles that that Chris has played over the years is just incredible. You know, um, <laughs> I'm thinking about yeah, I'm thinking about you know just some of the actual um, uh, theater uh, like in in, in the Maryland playing Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, and this the the different you know uh, films that you've been in. I mean, uh, Tor and Supergirl. Uh, wow. Uh, was there a particular uh, role that you've liked more than any? I mean, there's probably been so many, but I mean, can you think of one that you've really, that you really yeah. enjoyed? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I've fallen in love with, with every role I've, I've gotten to do for different reasons. They all have, you know, something special about them that, like I said, I've been entrusted to, to bring to an audience, to bring to a world, and I feel like that's, that's a huge responsibility. I love, and, and was, was uh, pretty terrified and also loved uh, getting a chance to play Joe DiMaggio uh, for uh, a live musical about the life of Marilyn Monroe because um, it was he, he's a real person and it's one of the few times that I've gotten to play a real person and uh, uh, some of Joe's um, descendants even came to see it so of course that's a little nerve wracking to <laughs> know you're you're playing their you know grandfather their grandfather and uh, and it's a huge responsibility. But as far as acting challenges, I recently um, wrapped on a movie uh, that will be coming out probably early next year. Uh, currently, it's called The Method, and it's about a method actor um, that is is working on his next role, which is which is very meta because it's <laughs> it's an actor acting portraying an actor uh, who's portraying a character. So it's, it's sort of uh, um, the Russian doll, uh, stack dolls of, of character work. Uh, so within within this script, uh, I got to play two different, I got to play the actor that was in the script plus the character that he was becoming. So it was, it was kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and I got to play two separate roles uh, within the same story. And it was a, it was a fresh, really creative uh, way for them to, to tell this story. I love the script. Um, uh, so it was, that was a, a fun challenge for me. You know what it sounds like to me is you brought up method acting right. or you brought you brought about preparing for a character. You look at Joe DiMaggio, you look at, you look at some of your other characters that you've played. I mean, really yeah. you have to really study and understand it. So they've not been the easiest characters to play. And so you have to understand and develop. And you just talked about, you know, you know, going out out of your comfort zone in certain aspects. And that sounds like who you are. But what about now? I mean, to get a role like you did, be, you know, before uh, you're in great, you're in good shape. You're in great shape. What made you want to really promote as an actor your fitness? What gave you that thought process that you wanted to have the people to know about you and fitness? Well, thanks for asking. You know, uh, ever since I I did George of the Jungle and you're you're 85 percent naked for most of the movie, uh, fitness was was a big backdrop of that character. You had to be in great shape, and and I was man, I was training four hours a day, two to four hours a day every day uh, while we were doing that. So I I got a lot of um, folks that were interested in how to how to achieve that physique and. A lot of people would write and ask, um, what do you do? How do I do it? And it's not honestly practical. I don't think for most people to stay in that good of shape all the time. But there are tricks and ways to to get there. And the reason why 
just recently, I decided to do to do something about fitness now was inspired by the pandemic because so many people that I know that used to have gym memberships and, and would depend on uh, all the specialized equipment inside a gym uh, for the fitness. Now with the gyms closed and fitness equipment um, being so expensive, there's so much demand for fitness equipment. The stuff that I've looked at online has, has, risen in price 500%. And there's a lot of, I think, profiteering going on because of the supply and demand. So uh, I wanted to find a way to help people get out and do an exercise, do a a system or a a, a workout that would not only be effective and legitimate, but something very enjoyable too, because I know for myself, if I'm not enjoying myself, I'm probably not going to stick with it. And so I wanted, we wanted to find a, a fun way to get people back out um, off the couch and, and outside into the sunlight where uh, they could, they could get back to the, those feel good endorphins that uh, they once had in the gym. And because you're in California, the gyms are not open yet, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure in, in a lot of other places, uh, are. those restrictions yeah. have lifted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I know for a lot of folks that have canceled their gym membership, they might not be going back or they're trying different things. So I want to just put this out as an option for folks as well to um, uh, as another as another way to to exercise. And you guys are in Pittsburgh, is that right? No, he is in Mississippi. I'm in Pittsburgh. So yes, you're so, in Pittsburgh. You're yeah. in Pittsburgh, Neil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Mississippi and Pittsburgh. Um, Different climates there. I know Pittsburgh. I used my very first agent was in Pittsburgh. I know it gets super cold there uh, in the winter time, and so yeah, outdoor workouts can involve uh, uh, enduring the enduring the climate as well (laughs) during the winter. Uh, Mississippi, uh, you're dealing probably more with humidity uh, in the summer, but it's probably I, I would guess I've never been in Mississippi. Lovely in the in the winter time. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They get they get some ice okay. storms. Mississippi and Alabama get some ice storms. That's where he's he goes back and forth from. So, I remember living in Arkansas. Uh, we had the ice storms, even though you know wouldn't go down to like thirty. We'd hardly get snow, but the ice storms are not fun. Trust me. Wow. You much re, much. I didn't, re- I didn't realize it got that cold. Yeah. There. Yes, it does. Yeah. 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 Is wow. that right, Doctor Hall? Too. Yeah. Isn't that true? Ice storms are your big thing when it gets cool. In Mississippi and Alabama. Oh yeah, oh yeah, me. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, you know, the, it, it, the thing about the weather in this part of the country is that it's kind of um, it's it's pretty much unpredictable, particularly if you live along the Gulf, you know, Gulf, uh, uh, like Mobile, where I live, and you know, it, it just changes so rapidly. And uh, obviously, we just saw where you know <laughs> the Gulf Coast was hit a couple times. So, but I mean, I just think what I think what Chris is doing is so essential. You know, during this time period of actually, you know, getting people back moving, uh, getting them back motivated. And, and really, you know, when you're in better shape, okay, and, you know, your immune system is boosted from that being better shape, you're stronger, really, in this, in this environment with this virus. So, I mean, this is exciting. Absolutely. Thank you. So where can yeah. we so – well, yeah, so, Chris, where's the best place people can check you out? Where can we go? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so there's a channel on YouTube – 
the path of least resistance, uh, there's the website, www.pathofleastresistance.com, and make sure it's leash, not least, L-E-A-S-H-E-D. And we call it that because you're using dog leashes. So um, pathofleashedresistance.com. Um, there is a, a Facebook page that you can get to all of the uh, product that way or Path of Leashed Resistance Fitness on Instagram. So lots of lots of different ways to get to the same material. Um, but it's the, the actual videos themselves are very short, 60 seconds, and intended to be uh, as entertaining as they are informative, what we call uh, fittertainment. <laughs> so what, what, um, you just finished Great. shooting, what projects do you have currently without, you talked about your personal one, but what about acting? Yeah. So acting wise, um, uh, finishing up this movie that I'd mentioned before called the method. Um, so that's in post at the moment. Uh, I believe that, um, one of a movie that I'd worked on a while back is getting re-released. We're very excited about that coming back out. It's called complacent. It's a drama. Uh, by Stephen Monroe, and um, I just worked with a buddy of mine uh, on a project called My Corona. So Phil Gorn oh, uh, is a, a veteran veteran director, and and he just did the first. See if I get this right, uh, the first ever movie that was directed entirely virtually. So during the pandemic, oh, he, he directed this <laughs> through, through uh, you know. Um, Zoom and Skype, uh, so he wasn't even in the room with the actors at the time. Hey, you never know what's going to come next in this Incredible. business, for sure. So, uh, Dr. Yeah. Hall, go ahead and uh, summarize Chris. Oh, wow. Well, you know, with no problem. I mean, it's just great, because, you know, all the years, you know, we've benefited from his acting talent, his producing talent, and and now, you know, in, in, in this time, I tell you, there's so much stress. And we're inside, and we have restrictions on us. Um, just what he's offering, you know, um, the these um, his courses are going to be so helpful to Americans. And personally, myself as a doctor, I mean, I'm seeing patients that are asking me all the time, "Hey, what can I do?" They're all in their house, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to refer them to to Chris and what he's doing. So, I mean, it's just been a great opportunity to have you on the show today, Chris. Uh, and so, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Hall, I'm I'm so honored, and thank you so much for uh, for being on board. And thanks for the work that you're doing. I feel like we're on the same team when it comes to to health and and well-being. Uh, and um, so it, it's an honor to be a part of this. And Neil, thank you for for including me today. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. Thanks for stopping yes, by. Sir. I'm going to definitely check it out as well. Uh, and thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Um, uh, absolutely. It, I'm going to become a, a regular subscriber. Hey, you, got, you see, I have a variety of shows I produce and host, and you never know what celebrity comes on next. That's the way, the fun thing about this. And I love just learning stories, especially from guys. And someday, you never know, when you're in Pittsburgh, look me up. All right? Or maybe I'll be in L.A. Who knows? Uh, after I, after, I after Rona. That. After Rona. Right? After Rona. Yeah, after Rona. <laughs> but Chris is, Chris is going Chris is going to tell us when after Rona. But all right, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, fellas. I really appreciate it. This was super fun. All right, take care. That was the Dr. Christopher Hall Show, guys. Take care. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. 
Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Author's Corner segment. I'm excited to welcome to the show editor-in-chief of National Geographic, Susan Goldberg. Susan, author of America the Beautiful. Susan, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. So you were talking off air about this is the perfect time to launch this book. Why? Well, you know, it takes a while to make books. So when we started about a year or a year and a half ago deciding to do this book, we knew that a book we published in the fall of 2020 was going to be, you know, come out right on the eve of what, of course, we knew was going to be a divisive election and that it could be a stressful time in the country. So we like doing a book about the beauty of America as an antidote, really, to what we were all going to be going through with the election. What we didn't know, of course, was that in addition to the election, we were all going to be facing this global pandemic, which is hitting the United States very hard, as well as um, in the, being in the middle of a necessary but painful conversation about the racial reckoning uh, going on in the United States. So I think a book that makes you feel pretty good about America uh, coming out right now is very good timing. Perfect timing. So why the book? Meaning why did you choose this timing to, again, I guess the election, but you want people to really love America and to understand the beauty of what, what's really great about America? Well, you know, I think all of us can forget um, how physically beautiful the country is, how vast the country is, how diverse the landscapes and the people are, and then how much, you know, where people came from really means to them. So, you know, we decided to just use the National Geographic Archive, which has got you know, millions and millions of images from the 19th, 20th, and now 21st century to take a look at America and just remind people about the country. Um, what I think is the takeaway is uh, when you page through this book, you feel like you've driven across the country, that you're seeing the landscapes and the people and the history. You're reminded of the sheer physical beauty of the country. And the other part I really like about it is the interweaving of the poem, America the Beautiful, which I didn't know that much about until, you know, until we did this book. Uh, but that poem, the one that starts, Oh, Beautiful for Spacious Skies, which everybody yes. you know knows, at least the first stanza of, many people think it ought to be our national anthem. But that is, you know, 
weaves its way through the book and through these photos. And the photos, how difficult, again, working with National Geographic, but how difficult was it to find the right photo for each uh, well, part the, of the book? The yeah. Bigger, yeah, the bigger problem is there's way too much to choose from, right? We have 64 million print and digital images in the National Geographic Archive. So even when you set aside all of the photos that uh, are from outside of the United States, we still have millions and millions. So we wanted to pick photos that both went with the poem and that really showed the country. And it is just hard to narrow them down, right? You know, when when Catherine Lee Bates in the, you know, in the America the Beautiful poem writes about for amber waves of grain, what she's writing about is the first time she ever saw Kansas. And so you you've got pictures in this book that really show that. But when she writes about for purple mountain majesties, she's talking about the first time she saw the Rocky Mountains. And so you've got absolutely gorgeous photos of that too but i think the most interesting part at least to me beyond the epic landscape photos are the photos of people uh people right now going about their business doing work as well as you know people through history so uh, so i uh, kind of tell us the breakdown of this uh so the yeah. book is Sure. Yeah, the book is divided. Um, the book is divided geographically. Really, we are not called National Geographic for nothing. So we <laughs> divide the country into you know the regions, right? So there's a region about the Midwest where we talk about Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. Uh, there's a region about the South where we talk about all the Southern states. And then in addition to just the pictures and uh, the captions on those pictures, we asked famous people from each state, territory, and Washington, D.C., to give us some brief reflections on what their state meant to them. And I find those so touching to read. And we got a great cast of characters. I mean, we got Barack Obama to write about Hawaii and Nick Saban, the college football coach, to write about where he comes from, which is West Virginia. Loretta Lynn writes about Kentucky. James Earl Jones writes about Michigan. LeBron James writes about Ohio. So... We have these amazing voices in the book as well. Did you get to talk to all these people putting together the um, book? I didn't get to talk to each and every one, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, they they talked to they talked to our, our researchers and our and our our book editors, and we were so grateful for their contributions. And what what really strikes you when you read it is how much people love where they came from, and and the kind of heartfelt and simple things people said about where they came from but i really love what lebron james you know mega mega superstar athlete multi-millionaire but he's from ohio and i just love how he puts it what he said was before anyone cared where i would play basketball i was a kid from northeast ohio in northeast ohio nothing is given everything is earned you work for what you have no matter where i go in the world ohio always will be home and that's just, that's so touching. And I think it really reflects a lot of truth about Ohio. I, I lived there for a while as the editor of the Glenn Dealer newspaper, but um, it, it, it just says a lot in a few sentences. All right. So let's jump from uh, specifically Pennsylvania. Who ended up contributing to Pennsylvania? All right. Pennsylvania. Let me get to my index here. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating Pennsylvania. Okay, here we go. I'm getting to Pennsylvania right now on page 160. <laughs> By the way, there's 300 images and about 400 and uh, 
415 pages in this book. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh, in Pennsylvania, we quote um, Ahi Sinha, who is an actor who is the best known for his, uh, his roles in the social network. Um, he was actually born in India, but he was raised in, in Pittsburgh, and he is a big-time Steelers and Penguins fan. And what he says about Pennsylvania is, for me, Pennsylvania is where I developed my love of sports and the colors black and gold, where I made my first lifelong friendships, owned my first dog, and played amateur youth hockey. I will always consider it home. Oh, wow. That's great to bring those things up, and that's great quotes for kids and then also adults to think about their favorite state. Here's a question for you. If, if, do you do this yearly or does it every, uh, every like three or four years? Do you write a book? Well, we have, yeah, well, we do, we do big books, you know, numerous big books every year. Sometimes we write about, you know, do big national park books or just great photographic books. Last year we did a major book on the history of women around the globe. We used the same National Geographic archives to look at the history of women, and we did that because it was the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote in the United States and in Britain. Um, but, you know, this is the first time we have done this particular book. And like I say, I just feel like, you know, it reminds you of the resilience of the country, and you feel inspired after reading it. We could all use a little bit of that right about now. Perfect. Best place we can uh, pick up the book and learn. Uh, where should we go? So at bookstores anywhere at nationalgeographic.com or on Amazon. Other projects you have going on, Susan, that you could talk about? Oh, gosh, sure. We have, um, you know, our, our brand new issue of National Geographic magazine. I'm very excited about it. It is a special issue on the coronavirus, and we look at how it is playing out all over the world with photographers all over the world really telling that story. So, you know, this isn't just happening to us here in the United States, and we really take people up close and personal all over the world. And we talk about how it could change us and what might be some of the lasting changes that this brings. Then in December, uh, in our magazine, our cover story is on the Great Lakes. And, you know, I think sometimes you know, we hear about much more about wildfires in California and, you know, other other natural disasters going on. We don't hear as much about the Great Lakes, and there is an urgent need to preserve and protect the Great Lakes, which are so important exactly. to not just the health of everybody in the United States, but the health of the planet. So we have a beautiful and important story about the Great Lakes coming in December. All right, Susan, where can we, uh, do, are you on social media as well? People can check you out. Oh my gosh, yes. We, uh, you know, we love it. We have more followers on Instagram than any other brand. We are at Nat Geo. So that is a great place to start, or you can always go in through our website through nationalgeographic.com. Thanks again for uh, calling, Susan. Great information, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it, too. Take care. Thanks again. All right. Bye bye. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. And again, it's such an exciting time. Any t certain types of total spotlight segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Ann Greco. And Anne, uh, thanks for stopping by. And you're going to give us some really kind of tips to deal with anxiety, depression, challenges in this world, especially with COVID-19. Is that correct, Anne? Yes, absolutely. 
I uh, have been a practicing mental health therapist for the past 18 years. And one of the things that I realized through the course of all of the treatment is that so many people are needing support and uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. So I, in addition to my clinical practice, I created a coaching practice where I help small business owners to uh, really learn how to work with their stress in such a way that it actually moves them toward their goals and their productivity increases, they make more money and, and they're able to just kind of work with stress. A lot of people are managing stress with the current times that we're in, you know, Neil, it's just really busy and crazy. Uh, and I also give some ideas for how to create mental resilience during these times. Children are going through, I think the worst out of everyone. I'm gonna be honest because children are used to consistency and if children don't have consistency, if children don't have a happy home, which a lot of homes are not happy, regardless of socioeconomic, yes. they don't have their resources that they had before, they didn't have their escapes, they didn't have their specific activities with coaches, different things, all these things that were taken away for, but sure, I mean, it's coming back a little bit. There's a lot of scars that children have to deal with right now. Isn't that correct? Oh, yes. The things that they are coping with are just things that we have never seen before, not in decades. And so it is a huge challenge. And many of them are just confused and upset. And really, it's amazing to me how adaptable and resilient they manage to be, given everything that we have going on. I have students who are figuring out how to do launch ed. I have people uh, who are trying to coexist in really tight quarters. Um, I have parents feeling really guilty because they're sending children back to school in the second quarter, which down here, I'm in Orlando, Florida. So we have some interesting things going on here, Neil. And one of the things that happens um, is that the parents say, I, I feel really guilty for sending my children back at the same time I have to work, we all have to work, and my children need the socialization. So, so many things have been affected. Education, the academic environment, and, and socializing, which children, of course, a lot of their main tasks are socializing. Parenting becomes different with a, during a pandemic, doesn't it? Absolutely. A lot of the consistency that we try to teach in the organization, I have six kids of my own. I understand exactly what you're talking about, but I'm a little different in my parenting style now than before the pandemic because there are consistency and structure in order to expect them to thrive in a school environment or thrive socially when they've been thrown these difficulties. It's more about reacclimation, right? Yes. And we are, uh, definitely having a new spin on levels of concentration, what we're seeing among children and adolescents. Uh, another thing that is an issue is the ability to focus and how they focus. Uh, they, they are multitaskers. I think that they grew up sort of in that environment. At the same time, uh, knowing what to focus on when and knowing how to avoid being having this experience of being social, socially isolated when they can't go out. Uh, some of them have a lot of their groups and their gaming groups that they're online with. And so they actually seem like they're doing okay to some extent. But at the same time, it's still not the same as being able to hang out with your friends and, and do what we know to do as, as human beings. And every child's different. And I think that the hardest part is when you've been given, taken away certain things. I really feel for them. I mean, I know that we don't only really want to talk about the stress that's happening in homes. 
but just children in general. They're the ones that uh, really lead a lot of the families we talk about. And, and you're, but I'm sure you deal with a variety of people, not just families. But I'm just thinking that is an area that during the pandemic's really been a difficulty. And you've been hearing things left and right, right, about how to get a family back together again, how to bring peace back to a home that's gone through a lot of hard things, right? Yes, and one of the things that we do is we take a look at the dynamic and we help people really understand what is happening in that dynamic and then they make can make choices and then some of the things that were challenges at the beginning are actually things that improve social functioning. They improve communication. They improve a child's sense of self-efficacy and competency. And I think that the parents also get a sense of feeling like, we've got this, you know, we can work together, we can be a team, we can co-parent, even if parents aren't living in the same household. So, th so there is a lot of hope mixed in with the stress. And I think that that's one of the things that I would love to communicate to our listeners is that there is an ability, while not stepping over the huge challenges that we're having, there is an ability to take what we do have, increase self-understanding, develop creative new interventions around it, and then really have everyone be healthy and continue to thrive and continue to blossom l like never before. So. See, I, the one thing I think that's hard now is if you have a home that you believe in discipline, your discipline has to be different than it was before the pandemic. And I, I think that's the hardest part because we have allowed certain things to happen. It's more, again, developing a routine and we're not out of, we're not out of the woods anyway, anyways. I mean, if we were after November 3rd, then yes, well, we would be out of the woods. I doubt that. But in Florida, you're out of the woods, and we don't want to talk about that. Anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I could be, but I, I, would, I don't know if that's going to be a good health thing, but it's healthy for mental life and, and things compared to physical and your health of dying. But till we get through this process, we really have to be more patient with our children. Don't you agree? Absolutely. You know, and there are practices to put in that help people develop patience, and that is always a good thing. It's always character building. Even though growth in and of itself is uncomfortable initially and can even be challenging and painful, you know, but that's one of the things that's amazing is when parents can realize that they're not alone and there are resources out there. There are plenty of people who understand what they're going through and empathize with what they're going through, and they are willing to connect. And for our listeners, that is one of the main things that I think if I could communicate some things uh, and drive these points home is that you are not alone and there is support and feedback for you if you're interested in having that. And one of the things people come to realize is that all things considered, they're really doing a great job, especially given everything that they have uh, on their plates right now. All right. So perfect. Where can we find information on you so families out there can learn about you and what you do and help also adults? So everyone, that sounds like. Okay, uh, my, my uh, website is my name. It's www.angreco, and it's spelled A-N-N-G-R-E-C-O uh, dot com. www.angreco.com. Fantastic. Thanks for stopping by and providing great information to give us some hope in this hard time and, and so that we get some of this anxiety and depression and tough things can uh, become better, especially in this time. So thanks again for coming by. Oh, thank you so kindly for having me, Neil. Have right. a great day. All right. You're watching and listening to The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. 
Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. It's Andrew Shatkin Showtime. And Andrew, I'm excited about our topic. I forgot what you told me the topic was, but you said it's called. I will say it, ladies and gentlemen, this is a topic that might annoy a certain amount of people. But as you know, this is a show of honest fact and discernment. We are not interested in political political rhetoric, or pleasing right or left. That's not what this is about. We're trying to get at the facts and the truth as much as I can. You're not going to talk about uh, the gay community or homosexuality. And so the, and I think it should be understood uh, the church's position on this issue and why it takes this position. Okay. First of all, uh, one of the, uh, the church has historically taken the position that this, the homosexuality, active homosexuality, we're just thinking it, it's passive, it's not an issue. It is the actual physical behavior that is that is the sin or disorder. Catholic Catechism states that homosexuality, I'm, I hate to, I'm very unhappy that our gay friends who I love and dearly love and respect may not like this, but the church is not the government, Neil. The church is a separate institution with many, many doctrines and rules that if you want to be part of the church, you have to accept them. If you don't want to be, Neil, you can leave. If you don't like the teachings of the church, and I suppose people, many people don't like to be told what's true and what's false and what's, what to do and what not to do, they may not like it too much. But the church has certain doctrines. And if you join it, you sort of have to accept that, no? Yeah, I mean, the truth. And the, again, the Catholic church talks about Marriage is between a man and a woman, and only does, sex is done through Jesus, men in the Catholic Jesus Church. Says, sex please. should only be for procreation. Well, also, you have to understand that um, the church follows the biblical revelation in this respect. Now, let me just say one thing. When people, many people will object and say, this guy's backward. He's quoting the Bible. He's, he's saying the Bible is, is, is the guide. It is for the church. The Bible is the guide. It is what we believe to be true in its thoughts, guidelines, and ideas. Uh, well, that doesn't mean the person is backward. It means they have joined an institution where the Bible is a, among other things, just in Catholic Church's tradition and that kind of thing, but the Bible, for in many respects, is not it, to believe the authority of the Bible is not backward. Right. It is simply a position taken by those who adhere to the Christian faith. But see, Andrew, the, the attacks that are going on now, if we talk about, and this is where we really are in a fine line going up into the election as of November 3rd, the line is totally there. Uh, the truth oh, yeah. of the old guard versus where the new guard wants to go. Morality well, will disappear. And if they've chosen that path, what will happen to the people that don't want Europe? Don't want to turn on the news or turn on a commercial and have pornography on because that's Europe. 
commercial. Well, actually, you're right about that. Pornography is quite prevalent. It's yeah. easily it's easily seen on the internet. You just click and you see not, it. Not internet, Andrew, just on television. On television? Television commercials in Europe, in Germany, in other countries, there's nudity on everything. There is no moral compass in Europe. Well, they have, the church has, has no more influence in Europe. It is yeah, not an active force. They don't have much influence in the United States. Uh, a little more, a little, there are a certain number of people in the United States that, uh, that are more traditional in this respect. Exactly. But they're I'm not numerous. There are a certain percentage. How much we have changed the course by forcing certain doctrine on people that want it to go. They have decided to force the same doctrine on us. Can I go in and talk about uh, homosexuality no. and, and explain the church's position on it? Yes. Church takes the position it's a sin and disorder. It's in the catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And it is taken from the biblical revelation. As I mentioned to you, Neil, many people who say, who see me quoting the Bible say, this guy's a backward egg. That's not the truth. Truth is the Bible has been the guide and guideline for church doctrine for a very long time. And uh, I don't want to, I have nothing against gay people. And they have a right in the society to do as they wish. But within the church, I don't believe it's acceptable. Uh, you can come to, a gay person is very welcome to attend the church. They're very welcome. I love them. I want them in the churches. I want everybody in the church. But they cannot say publicly in the church a statement endorsing their homosexual activity. It's not that they, is thinking it or having an inclination is not the problem for, 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 the, for a church uh, body. The problem is people taking a public position in this respect. And that is something that, and doing it. The issue in homosexuality in the church is not, is not, is not your, your inclination in that respect and not, not acting on it. It is engaging in whatever they do. I really have no idea what homosexuals do and I respect it. They can do what they want. They have a right to do it under the law, whatever they want to do. But what they do is not allowed in the church. That's it. And let me just give you a few examples. Uh, as I said, the reason I quote the Bible in this respect is, uh, Neil, as you know, I mean, in, in the church, the Bible is, is the guideline. Uh, it has been a guideline, frankly, for a very long time. And some very extremely intelligent people have adhered to the, to the biblical revelation. Some very smart people. John Milton wrote the epic Paradise Lost. He believed every word of it. Uh, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He believed every word of it. A lot of very smart people have, have taken this position. Maybe not so many today, but maybe outside of the West, like in China where there's great church growth yeah. in the Middle East, I think Christianity is growing in other parts of the world. But let me just give you an example, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I'm, I'm not saying I have a hostility to the gay community. I don't. They're very nice people, many of them. Well, I would, before you go, what I know the Catholic Church teaches is that it's a sin they, that they expect people to be gay in this world, but they're not to act on their... No, they're not to act on it. That's the position of the church. Right. Yeah, it is. It's correct. I mean, but also, I mean, as I said, I don't want to single out homosexuality so, as a particular, Andrew, a particular but sin. But then if, the, again, the popes, we don't know fact-checking 
the Pope did yesterday. If the Pope comes out with this, this throws everything out the window. Well, it's, I think, look, Neil, this is what I think, and I, I respect him. I'm not in his position. I'm in a lowly position on the ground here. He's a top public figure. But the fact of the matter is that he's giving in to secular forces. He's giving in to the gay community. He, they're pressuring him. He's under, uh, he's under pressure to do this from those people or certain forces in the society are pressuring him, don't you think? I don't know if that's it, because then there would be a schism of some sort, and that's probably what's going to happen if that is true. All right. All right Nobody thanks. has to. Jesus doesn't force anybody to do anything. Exactly. All right, Andrew. Take care. <laughs> okay. All right, that was Andrew Shaka's show, guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.